Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Xiju. Coming up in this edition, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has vowed to keep up the fight against Hamas while visiting troops in the Gaza Strip. Christmas celebrations in the United States are being marred by shootings in several states, and Serbia and Russia claim that foreign forces are behind the protests in Belgrade against alleged election fraud. We start with the Israel-Palestine conflict. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has visited troops in northern Gaza and vowed to keep up the fight against Hamas. In Jerusalem, Netanyahu was booed by families of Israeli hostages still held in Gaza. Isabel Debris with the Associated Press has more. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu made a rare and unannounced visit to the Gaza Strip. He addressed Israeli soldiers before returning to Israeli Parliament in Jerusalem, where he vowed that Israel would not stop until it defeated Hamas and instead would actually escalate its ground invasion in the coming days. We do not stop. Forget anyone who talks about stopping. We don't stop. The war continues to the end until they are finished. No less than that. And I know that you left families, and that the families support you. That's a great thing. That's the strength. That's the key to victory. He spoke during one of the most deadly days of the war so far in the Gaza Strip. Now, despite the intensified strikes that we're seeing and the aggressive language about how this war will continue incessantly, it also is interesting to note that the Israeli War Cabinet is discussing this Egyptian proposed ceasefire, which involves three phases. The first phase would be a ceasefire of two weeks, accompanied by a limited exchange of Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jail for around 40 hostages still held. In the Gaza Strip, the second phase was a little more ambitious. It involves the creation of a transitional Palestinian government to lead Gaza toward elections, and the third and final phase involves the complete withdrawal of Israeli troops from the Gaza Strip, in addition to the complete cessation of hostilities. What is interesting about this is that, of course, it sounds very ambitious. Clearly, the Israeli Prime Minister and many other ministers have their rhetoric has indicated they will not accept those final two phases. That's directly in contradiction of their professed goals in the war. But at the same time, it's important to note that public pressure could change this. That could be public pressure over the rising death toll of Israeli troops, or importantly, it could be public pressure over the existence of these hostages. Over a hundred hostages that remain trapped in the Gaza Strip, where it is getting more dangerous by the day. Their families actually interrupted Netanyahu's speech in Parliament. They heckled him. They called for him to do more to bring their loved ones home, and they protested in the streets of Tel Aviv in what has become known as Hostages Square because of these constant protests. That was Isabel Debris reporting from Bethlehem. The United Nations says there isn't enough space for the displaced Palestinians to stay in the Israeli-designated safe zones. Many Palestinian evacuees and survivors are finding it hard to live without enough aid supplies. On Tuesday, two Palestinians were killed after Israeli strike hit a residential house in Rafah. Noah Harazin has more about the current situation. An Israeli airstrike hit the home of the Al Amasi family, killing two uh, men. This home is located in the heart of、uh, Rafah city. Several injuries were reported, and we're talking about Rafah now. Rafah is not only filled with its residents, but we're talking about hundreds of thousands of Palestinians who evacuated to the、uh, city of Rafah, which is located in、uh, southern Gaza. And the IDF pointed at Rafah city as the safe area. 
area for the Palestinians, displaced people to take uh, shelter in its camps. At the same time, there is intensive battles here on the ground and specifically talking about Middle Gaza, Al-Maghazi refugee camp, Al-Burej refugee camp, Al-Balah, Al-Nusayrat refugee camp. All of these camps are located in an area that we call Middle Gaza and it's separating northern Gaza from southern Gaza and apparently the same scenario of the Israeli land incursion that happened in northern Gaza and in southern Gaza is now newly happening in uh, Middle Gaza overnight non-stop bombings, shillings, exchange fire. According to Israeli media, 300 missiles and 85 uh, strikes hit the camps and cities around Middle Gaza over uh, night. The health system here in Gaza has collapsed. The hospital can no more actually treat those uh, injured or even the ordinary patients. Talking about northern Gaza, there is now zero hospitals that are operating for more than 400,000 people who are still in northern Gaza. The only hospital that is actually operating is Ashifa Hospital and is just operating as a refugee camp. But there is no service offered to the injured people but some bandages and stitches. That's Noah Harazin reporting from central Gaza. In North America, as people celebrate Christmas in the United States, the joy has been shattered by shootings that have erupted in several states. Colorado and Florida both saw deadly shootings over the holiday weekend. Jim Spellman reports. U.S. malls are typically crowded in the days before Christmas, but it seems no place is safe from gun violence in the U.S., even during the Christmas season. In Colorado Springs, one person is dead and three injured. We got a call of shots fired here at the Citadel Mall. There were two groups of individuals that were engaged in a fight uh, when the shooting started. This was not an active shooter situation. This appears to have started again as an incident between two groups of people. Police detained several people from the groups involved. At a mall in Ocala, Florida, a shooter killed one man and injured a woman on Saturday. There was a a shooting that took place uh, inside the mall uh, that uh, we believe was possibly a targeted act of violence. Uh, At this point in time, we have confirmed uh, one adult male has uh, passed away from gunshot wounds inside the mall in a common area. We have a secondary victim uh, with a gunshot to her leg. She is being treated at a local hospital and is expected to survive uh, uh, those injuries. According to the Gun Violence Archive, a nonprofit group that collects data on shootings, more than 42,000 people in the U.S. have been killed by gun violence in 2023 so far. That number will likely rise through the final week of the year. That's Jim Spellman reporting from Washington. Turning to Europe, in the Serbian capital Belgrade, more protests have erupted against alleged fraud in the general election. The opposition group Serbia Against Violence has been staging daily protests since the December 17th vote. Protesters stormed the city council building on Sunday and police dispersed them with volleys of tear gas. Police say they've detained nearly 40 people with eight police officers injured. Alosa Milenkovic reports from Belgrade. There were no stones thrown, no broken windows or pepper spray used. Fewer people turned out than on Sunday evening, but demonstrators made the same demands. In front of the State Election Commission, they asked for all election results to be annulled, while Serbian authorities rejected the allegations. Many people remain convinced 
that the ruling SNS party tampered with a voter list, rigging the election results. We came here this evening in peace, and this will remain peaceful. But that won't last forever. The wall is behind us, and against it, we are concerned. In front of us are police cordons. Despite of the heated rhetoric, there was no reported violence incidents on Monday evening in Belgrade. And earlier in the day, the Serbian police chief held a press conference accusing the protesters of organizing Sunday's violence against police guarding some of the state institutions. Members of the Ministry of Interior were under attack for three hours. They withheld from intervening, hoping the violence would not escalate and that the bullies would stop with their attacks. During that time, eight police officers were injured. On Monday, students joined the protests by blocking some key Belgrade streets for several hours, creating massive traffic jams around the city. And while the internal tensions in the country are seemingly under control, the Russian ambassador to Serbia said in a televised interview that there was, and I'll quote, irrefutable evidence that these demonstrations are being orchestrated by the West. Serbian President Alexander Vucic says his government is under attack by foreign political factors instigating the unrest. That was Elisa Milinkovic reporting from Belgrade. In Africa, Nigerians are no longer spending as much as they used to during the Christmas, which is one of the biggest holidays in the country. The cutbacks caused by rising inflation have affected the beauty and fashion industry, which used to record high revenue during the festive season. Experts worried that this trend could further impact the already struggling Nigerian economy. Clutchy McCallum reports. In the heart of Abuja city, Nigeria's capital, Mercy Michael owns a popular hair salon. She's grappling with an unexpected downturn in business. Her salon used to thrive during the festive season, but business has been poor this Christmas as customers tighten their wallets. The economy is affecting business. Rising inflation has forced many people across Nigeria to slash their spending. As a result, the fashion and beauty sector has been hit hard. It's triple the price of making it now. I went to the market and the attachment we usually buy for like 1,000 naira. It's now like 3,000 naira, 4,000 naira. So this year I'll just be sticking with my wig. And also there is life after Christmas. Experts have warned that the reduced spending being seen could affect the country's economy. People are actually curtailing their expenditure and this is going to affect the economy negatively going into the first quarter of next year. So let's say maybe by the time the economy will be picking up, it will be around the second quarter. Analysts say Nigeria's economic challenges have been made worse by the conflict in Ukraine, the removal of a fuel subsidy by the Nigerian government and other public policy changes. They've advised people to budget properly so that they can survive the current economic difficulties. That was Clutchy McCallum reporting in Abuja. Turning to China, a week after the earthquake in the northwestern province of Gansu, government and volunteer groups are helping to restore the badly hit village of Chenjia. Lu Serei spoke to some of the locals impacted by the devastation to find out how they're rebuilding their lives. 
Chenjia Village is one of the worst-hit regions in Jishishan County. The earthquake has caught people off guard when it struck before the midnight of December 18th. It has damaged and flattened houses, homes of more than 2,000 residents here. Locals say they have never experienced anything like this before. Adobe houses are common in the villages of China, but the memory of the earthquake that struck here is still fresh in Magahu's mind. <sighs> The happy memories he shared with his family are now replaced with flashbacks from that horrible night. I was so scared. I carried my grandson and put him here, and then I came back to get my wife, who'd already fallen because things had collapsed onto her. Mahemai is hardly able to recognize his home. The door to his bedroom can no longer be opened, and the electricity to his home remains cut off. On the night of the earthquake, Heimai and his family had to climb through a window to escape into the darkness. Among them, a 40-day-old baby and an 80-year-old woman. Locals say 95% of the residents in Chenjia village are Muslims. Their mosque has been badly damaged, so daily prayers have moved to the parking lot in front of the building, despite a freezing minus 10 degrees Celsius. The mosque was built in 2002 and renovated in 2007. It was supposed to last longer. It's too cold to pray outside and will be too hot in the summer. The damage to the mosque has really disrupted our life. We hope the government helps us to rebuild it soon. The village is currently filled with rescue teams from across China. Government and volunteer groups have flooded here to help relocate villagers and rebuild their lives. There's still a long way to go before things return to normal. But at least the locals know they're not alone. That was Lu Sere reporting from Gansu province in northwest China. Now recapping today's headlines, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has vowed to keep up the fight against Hamas while visiting troops in the Gaza Strip. Christmas celebrations in the United States have been marred by shootings in several states. And Serbia and Russia have claimed that foreign forces are behind the protests in Belgrade against alleged election fraud. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Qi Zhi. Thanks for listening.